Hi, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madvi, what's the topic this week? So this week, I was thinking about porn. Here in Berlin, we have the Porn Film Festival, and female porn filmmaker Erica Lust was in town for it, so we caught up with her and had a super interesting conversation about sexuality, feminism, and filmmaking. For those of you who don't know who Erica Lust is, she was named one of the BBC's 100 Most Influential Women. She has done a TED Talk called It's Time for Porn to Change, and she was featured on the Netflix documentary series Hot Girls Wanted. She runs a successful company and makes her own films, as well as platforms, a bunch of other films made by just really diverse people. She also runs a non-profit sex education tool for parents called The Porn Conversation. I've actually seen her films, and they're very beautifully made, with actual storylines, and are quite a far cry from, I think, what most of us have experienced or think about when we think about porn. So here is the interview that I recorded with Erica earlier on this week. I'm here with the beautiful Erica Lust. We're in Soho House in Berlin. You're here for Pornfest. Mm-hmm. And we're here to talk about porn. Of course. How has Pornfest been so far? Have you got any interesting insights? Yeah, or... uh, secrets to tell about yeah. the festival. I think the festival is amazing. I think it really, really shows that porn is so much more than what we see online. Because I think that most people, when they think about porn... It's the online kind of mass-produced porn that they think about. But actually, uh, there's lots of different kinds of porn that exist. And in this festival here in Berlin, it really shows. I think that people who have never really thought about porn in that sense before, when they go to the festival and they watch the films, they get very surprised by... You know, the creativity by the art, by the the values and the sensibility that's in these films and by meeting performers and creators and directors who, you know, have made the films and who have visions and ideas and messages that they would like to share with the world, you know. And it's, uh, I think it's crazy when you think about porn and and the reality of it, because it's uh, it's really like many other industries. It's not so different. Big porn exists the same way as big pharma exists or big food or big fashion or big data. Most of the porn that's out there on the internet is owned by one company. It's a company called MindGeek. And uh, they are basically occupying the whole kind of porn space. And I think it would be interesting for people to realize that if they are watching porn, they are also part of the of the porn community, of the porn world, of the porn industry. They are part of it. And they vote with not only with their money, but with their time and with their, you know, their attention and with their clicks. So if they choose to go to this kind of mass-produced online tubes. Then they also show that that is what they believe in somehow. And I always recommend people to open up their eyes to the kind of independent sector of this 
of this industry and this business and start to understand that they can, uh, by actually paying for their porn and by value the experience of watching porn, they can help an industry to become more healthy and become more ethical and be, you know, working better for everybody involved from performers to crew members. So I would recommend you, if you listen to this and you are, you know, surfing the internet for porn, to see if there's an about page. Can you learn something about that site that you are looking at, about the company, about the people who are behind it? Are there people or is it only kind of an anonymous post box somewhere in the world? I would ask you to see if you can watch a making of or an interview with performers or directors or producers just to see who they are and what kind of values do they have and what's their process like. How do they make their product? How do they make their films? Because I think that that's where you can see the difference. I wanted to talk to you about that because for our podcast, we watched a lot of documentaries about the porn industry, the Louis Theroux, the Hot Chicks Wanted, you know, loads, and they are all very depressing. So I wanted to ask you about what is, as an independent porn filmmaker, what is your process of making a lust film from beginning to end? The other day we were in Cops in this vegan restaurant and you said, oh, we're trying to be sustainable as a production and do plant-based catering even, which is a bit challenging. So I wanted to ask you, like, what is your process like? And also, what are the challenges of working in this industry? Well, uh, there's lots of challenges. There's lots of challenges on a business kind of level, because obviously I am, you know, a person and a filmmaker and, and etc. And I have my kind of creative way of working. But then we are also a company. Erica Last Films today are, you know, 45 people working in, in our office in Barcelona and freelancers uh, around the world, etc. So it's, it's uh, becoming bigger and bigger. And that also entails some responsibilities and, and, uh, and you have to kind of get your work ethics across to other people and explain how you are doing it and what you think works, etc. So we have been working lately to uh, create some documents like Bill of Rights for our performers so they are aware of what rights do they actually have in this process so they are not presented with sudden surprises or processes that they uh, would not know of before getting involved. And I think that the work ethics in general has a lot to do with understanding of power balances and uh, privilege and uh, who is who in the making of a film and understanding that as a, a producer and a director, and in this case also, you know, I am the one, uh, as I'm kind of an independent, the one uh, financing it. So obviously I have a lot of power and for me, the process starts already, you know, with the first kind of ideas of a film. When I sit down and I start thinking about what kind of film do I want to do? What kind of story do I want to tell? What kind of characters am I creating? What's going to happen to them? What's their kind of, you know, sexuality that we want to get into in this film? Then on that kind of creative level, I already have to challenge myself sometimes. 
because obviously I have, have grown up in this world we live in uh, with the values of society in general. And even if I do consider myself a, a feminist and I've been so since quite a young age, I sometimes see myself having, you know, pre-ideas uh, uh, coming from my own background. So sometimes I have to sit down and think, what would happen if I would change this character? If, you know, the male character would be a female character and, and versa vice uh, Because mm-hmm. things are changing. Mm-hmm. And that is very interesting. So I think quite a lot about how I represent people on screen. Mm-hmm. That is one part of the process. But then when we're talking about kind of work ethics, etc., then it gets into who's participating and how are we actually making the movie. And in that process, for me, it's very important to have lots of women involved because we all know that porn has mostly been made by men and not any kind of men, but a specific group of men. It's the typical, you know, middle-aged white hetero cis guy and it's his version that we've seen in most of the porn out there his vision of uh, boobs and ass and cars and cigars and drinks and purr, what he thinks is raunchy and sexy and and about his sexuality right so i think that if we can get other creators into this space Women, obviously, but not only women. Here we are also talking about the whole LGBTQI plus spectrum, etc. We're talking about people from different backgrounds, different countries, different ethnicities, different ages, etc. They will come with their ideas of sexuality and their ideas of narratives that they would like to imagine and that they find exciting. And these stories are different. So for me, one of the biggest projects that I've been working on the last years has been to bring in all these new people into this space and show them that it doesn't have to be a scary space. It can be a safe space if we work through it together. And if we think about the whole process, how how are we actually working? How are we making it? So I think one of the basic things is getting performers involved very early in the process. When you have a clear idea of kind of what kind of films do you want to shoot, you're starting to, you know, to see different performers, to imagine different performers in this. And then you're contacting them. You're opening up a dialogue with them. You're figuring out if you don't know them already, because obviously I've been working in this space for quite many years. So there's many people I already know. But even if you know people, you have to check in with them again, because we are talking here about real sex and things can change as in real life. You know, in some periods of your life, you're going one way and in others, another sexuality in the end is fluid, at least what I believe, you know, and and your boundaries can change in different times uh, because of your private relationships or because of health issues or mental uh, issues you might have etc so so you you have always to check in with the performers to make sure where they are in that moment and who they are um what kind of sexuality do they have do they have favorite co-workers because most people actually do have favorite co-workers you know that they've been working with now and then and they know that they feel safe with these people so that's a huge part of the process. Do you also develop ideas in collaboration with them, the actual films? Um, it sounds like also you're thinking about sexuality from a 
personal point of view, you know, challenging yourself and then you're doing things in collaboration. How have your views about sexuality and your own relation to your own sexuality developed while you're doing this work and thinking about it all the time? It has definitely developed. I mean, just being around people who are so sure about themselves and so sure about their sexuality and who have, you know, had all these kind of personal questions who who ask themselves what they like and what they don't like and why and how and and etc that changes a lot because you feel kind of that you are allowed to talk about it and to to talk about it in the open because i think that many people are afraid of their own sexuality many people think somehow that they are maybe perverse that they are strange that they are different that they ideas they that might turn them on a particular fetishism or something is wrong somehow i mean it there's this general idea in society right that sex is dirty somehow that that it's wrong that that it's uh, you know taboos and 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 that that somehow it shouldn't be that you cannot be a good girl if you have a strong sexuality and obviously you can you can be everything at the same time but I think that, that we are still struggling with the whole kind of the whore complex somehow in the world we live in, right? The, the fear of being called a slut and being, uh, you know, sexualized and, and, and letting yourself being objectified. I mean, there's so many fears in there. And especially for a woman. There's fears of not being sexual and there's fears of being too sexual. And, you know, we're fearing being called frigids and we're fearing... Yeah. So it's very complex, actually. And you've talked about why porn is actually a feminist issue and why more women should be going into that. And it sounds like it does play a really important role for people to explore also their fantasies Mm -hmm. and, you know, come to terms with their own sexuality and things like that. Yeah, what do you think the role of porn, because like I said, it could be very negative, but what do you think in the ideal society, what a positive role, you know, does porn have a role to play? Because a lot of people think it does not. And why? And what can it bring us? Well, I definitely think it has a role to play. I think that porn can be absolutely wonderful. The same way as it can be absolutely horrifying. And I, I mean, porn is not by itself good or bad it all depends on the value that we put into it you know as as creators and as viewers and it has kind of it has become for many people it has become kind of an anxiety killer you know they are just using it because they are bored or they feel anxiety and and they are you know navigating online and they're opening up window after window after window and it's just kind of impact 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 they're not interested in you know, the, the sexuality or the story or anything. They just want to see, you know, kind of penis in vagina and heavy as hell if it can be four minutes and then they're, they're kind of done. And I think that's, in a way, it's just like eating a bag of like potato chips, you know? <laughs> no, but it's, it's anxiety killing, you know? It doesn't really have to do with a, with a conscious kind of valuable sexual moment and I think that for me watching porn is more kind of a ritual I try to use it in my own life as something that is you know is something special for myself that I take time and I you know I use it to feel excitement because it does create excitement 
and it also obviously has this it's influential it really is because when you watch it you learn things about how the world works how sexuality works how power dynamics works how uh, gender roles are played out mm. you learn all of that mm. from porn mm. so it has this amazing influence on how we see sex obviously because many people want to blame porn for everything and kind of says oh porn is the bad thing in society right it's porn that makes us hate women and it's porn and that's just pure bullshit honestly because those values comes from further back even before porn existed those are values that we have been bringing in for centuries since forever almost so uh, blaming porn for everything that's bad in the world i think is is very it's a reflection it's a reflection. of our society but then of course we yeah. also learn from porn and yeah. especially young people they do learn from porn and it's something that also matters to me quite a lot because i am the mother of two young women young girls uh, 11 and 14 and i am in contact obviously with young people in general and i do see uh, how porn impacts their visions of sexuality especially in countries where the school system is far from giving the education the sex ed that they should be giving uh, so obviously young people turn to the internet they want to learn about sex they end up learning from porn and then they go out in their own lives and they are reproducing what they have seen online and the result of that many times are women feeling that they are not in touch with their own bodies, that they can't reach an orgasm through a sexual encounter with a man in particular, because they think that four minutes of very hard penetration should do it. And honestly, it's not working <laughs> you know, for, it's not. for most of, of, of women. You know, We mm. need some hands, we need some stimulation, we yeah. need clitoral stimulation. I mean, this is, these are facts, this is reality. But and still, it, people don't know it, and it's sad. Yeah, it's a reflection of the male gaze, basically, most porn, the yes. dominant porn. And what do you think is the difference as a female filmmaker? What is the female gaze like? Or how do you deal with the male gaze, <laughs> even in your film? I think it's like a massive thing yeah. to kind of take on. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's a really big thing, because we are so used to the male gaze, so we can even fall into that without thinking about it. You know, we are used to see women being objectified being presented as the seductive muse and the uh, you know amazing uh, goddess and and she's there to seduce and she's there to give pleasure but it's not really her story it's not really about her so for me that is one of the main things i need to get into her i need i want you know to tell my stories from her point of view i wanted to be about her and her erotic journey exploring her sexuality Without trying to leave the men, you know, outside the equation completely, because I, I, I do think that they are also <laughs> human beings and important and they also, you know, matters and they should have the right to see stories that are told also from a, a male point of view without having to be, you know, the stud who's banging the girl against the wall. But actually, you know, a, a man being seen as a whole human person mm -hmm. having his experiences 
So I think that is a reflection that's very important because many times when we're talking about feminist pornography, for example, people tend to see these women, ugly women with hair under their arms and strap-ons, you know, going out into the world, kind of fucking all the men. It's, It's like they have this vision of, Born being aggressive and feminism being aggressive. And then when they see the, these two words together, they think that this must be kind of the, the nightmare for all, <laughs> for yeah, all heterosexual masculating men. Yeah. or something. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But, but obviously it doesn't have anything to do. I, I prefer to say that I make porn and I'm a feminist and I'm trying to do it, as you said, from my kind of female gaze mm-hmm. and with that vision. And how do I do it? Well, I'm trying to do it using lots of women in my crews to start with, because I think that if we are in a space where we are many women working together, we have an easier time of kind of finding that that vision in every aspect from the art director to the director of photography, etc. And especially when we're talking about directors of photography, I think it's extremely important uh, camera operators to bring in more women. Because I have been working also with men and many men are wonderful and amazing and they have great visions. But they have a tendency, especially if they are heterosexual men, they have a tendency of showing much more footage of the female body. Because Mm -hmm. that's what they find beautiful, what they find visually visually exciting. So they go for that footage. And when you put a, you know, a woman behind the camera and we have already kind of the conversation about what we're looking for, she will also go for, you know, the male body. She will go for his expressions, not only his, you know, cock. Mm. But I see a very important in general, it's uh, focusing a lot on the male organ and not that much on men as, you know, beautiful beings. Then, mm. of course, you have gay porn that is different. And it's, for many women, also a safe space. Many women prefer watch gay porn because they feel that there's not that power structure. So they don't have to feel afraid that it's going to you know, yeah. end up feeling bad instead of feeling good. And in your ideal world, what would be the future of porn? Because it's, mm-hmm. like, like you said, it's dominated right now by yes. uh, potato chip porn. If we potato, call it potato chip porn, I love it. It's probably going to stay that way if we're going to be 100% honest. I mean, but it's also the same when we look at cinema. Most of it is, you know, mass produced and it has the same message. And go on any platform, you know, from Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Amazon, whatever, where you want to go. And you will be seeing so many films focusing on violence and focusing on, on some kind of, you know, kidnapping of women, murdering of women male superheroes it's actually the same as porn but just like uh taken a few levels abstracted into a metaphor it's it's not so different Mm -hmm. but then you do see at the same time especially from you know female directors and female producers getting into to these spaces and starting to kind of change the narratives and making stories that are different you know Uh, one of my favorites is uh, i love dick Mm-hmm. I think that that is just amazing the way that it's showing, you know, female, the female kind of fantasy and, and the female attraction and female pleasure in a way that I haven't seen on television before. And I hope we're going to be able to see more of it. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, then you see when they're trying, even lately, when they're trying to do things that are supposed to be sexy. 
so many times they fall into the trap of doing the same kind of stories that you know we've seen too many times yeah and do you think do you think anything will change in the porn scene because maybe new people have come or like well i i mean the porn scene obviously has been changing a lot mm-hmm. if we go back to the 60s and 70s i think it's very interesting to to understand that porn was a reaction to a conservative society and that sometimes people don't realize that but it was kind of made by quite great creators who had you know visions and ideas and then maybe not all of them were aware of feminism and and gender roles etc but still the films were were visually interesting and they were telling you know stories and narratives then video came around the whole business kind of turned into a sausage factory it became about earning money and it became uh, about you know a guy who had a strip club who bought a video camera who started to film the girls and that was kind of the vibe of the time and then with dvd the whole business went even bigger internet came around it became even bigger but at the same time with internet I think that was the moment where independent creators also had the opportunity to get into the space and had the opportunity to buy technology or rent technology that was not that expensive anymore. So I've I've been in this space since 2004 when I made my first short film and I've seen how the independent side of this of this industry has grown definitely. More and more creators are daring, are, uh, women are feeling that they can actually, you know, do this without being ashamed for the rest of their lives. They can still call themselves filmmakers and do adult films and be respected. And I think that that is very important uh, because if we want porn to become more diverse and become kind of artistically also more interesting then obviously we need more creators yeah i mean the only way of kind of 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 changing things is having the alternative growing you know i studied political science we were always talking about the critical mass 30 percent of kind of a group or a population or and the examples we were discussing had to do with you know governments and and parliaments etc but the, the main idea was that if women are getting into a parliament, it's only when they are becoming 30% of the room that they actually have a say. So I think that we can maybe apply that theory on, onto this business and, and start thinking that at least if we can occupy 30% of the porn space, then maybe, you know, we can be a good alternative. We can have a new, bigger vision for the future. I love it. And on that note, here are three things you can do to be a better person brought to you this week by Erica Lust. Thing one. Please pay for your porn. I think it makes a difference. I do really. I think that if you want porn to become better, then we need to value it. And the only way of really doing that is, you know, make sure that you are putting your effort into it also. So even, you know, you can get a good offer. There's lots of good offers out there. It doesn't have to be super expensive, but value it. Thing two. I would recommend parents in general and educators to dare to have the porn conversations with the younger generations growing up because if we don't have that conversation, 
then we're leaving them to the porn studs on the internet. They are the one who will communicate what sex is to young people. So I think that at least if we are daring to have those conversations and we are asking them honestly how they feel about porn if they have watched it, and we tell them how we feel about it. We tell them that, you know, I've watched it myself, I've been online, and I have a feeling that much of it is very misogynistic and it's not treating women in the way that I would, you know, like the world to treat women. Or if you are my son, for example, I would love you in the future to treat women. I think that that message would be wonderful if it could reach the generation growing up. And thing three. And for young women, I would say, stop watching the porn where you are only used to please the men. Because if you are watching that kind of porn, you probably, is is that kind of sex you're going to have. And that kind of sex, it's going to suck, you know. It's not going to be, it's not going to be great for you. So start watching porn where they are respecting women, where you can see women having actual pleasure, where you can see them, you know, being active in the whole conversation about sex, about consent, enthusiastic consent is what we are looking for here. You know, when we are communicating sex, you should have the other one, you should ask the other one questions and you should listen to that person saying, hell yes, this is what I want. You know, if you are talking to someone who is who is hiding themselves and who is looking down, even if they are saying yes, that's probably not a a real yes. So we need to learn also how to uh, interpret, how do you say, how to... Body language, exactly. We need to to understand each other. So I think that that is uh, something important. Watch other women having real pleasure that's going to help you to find your own ways. Lovely. Thank you so much to Erica Lust for being a guest on our podcast. And if you'd like to see her films or explore your sexuality by watching independently, ethically made porn, Erica has offered listeners of Misinformed basically some free porn. Um, We'll be publishing that offer on our newsletter next week, I think. So not the one coming out Monday, but the one afterwards. So sign up to our newsletter now so you don't miss out. You can do that by going to misinformed.substack.com or you can find the link on our Instagram in our bio. Like I said, if you sign up, you'll be able to watch some of, you know, the films that we were talking about that Erica makes for free. And Rina and I will be back next week, probably talking about porn a little bit more, but since we did so much research for this um, episode and it was so inspiring talking to Erica, I guess we might expand on the discussion a little bit later next week. Until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, 
you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud. Or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.